viewed. The next category I want to move into is a category called power. These are gifts, supernatural gifts of power. The first that I want to address is the gift of faith, faith. Sometimes this one can be, uh, can be underplayed a little bit because faith, when we say faith, it just seems really generic. Like that seems like the most generic Christian word that you can possibly attach to anything, faith. Uh, faith is powerful. And even though faith is a word that we use all the time, it's being used in a particular sense uh, in, in this passage. Uh, this is a supernatural ability to trust God or to inspire trust in God for a particular need or circumstance. Now, every believer possesses what we'd call simple faith. Everybody possesses simple faith, just the ability to believe uh, all of us possess that, but the gift of faith in operation is something uh, not altogether different, but just more pronounced. It's something that's that's supernaturally charged. It's something that's that's that fits in these categories so well, and uh, it's a supernatural faith. It's not just a faith, a measure of faith, just a, a faith that's just commonplace. But it's a supernatural faith. Uh, it's almost I, I like to describe it as a contagious type of faith. It's like whenever we're in a service like this and uh, the gift of faith might start to operate and all of a sudden, maybe it's the person preaching, maybe it's somebody that testifies, maybe it's someone that comes up next to you and speaks a word of encouragement or testifies just directly one-on-one. -on -one. It can operate in all of those settings, but when the gift of faith starts to be in operation, then their faith starts to splash over. Has anyone ever experienced that before? where it seems like your circumstances are kind of pushing your faith down and your faith feels low and you're at that place where, you know what, you're praying that help my, I believe, but help my unbelief. You're kind of in that place, but then someone comes up next to you or maybe the preacher or the teacher or whoever is leading service, they start to speak and you can feel the gift of faith start to operate and all of a sudden, it's like they say, a rising tide raises all ships. And all of a sudden, there's, there's just a supernatural faith that starts being an operation in the room. That's the gift of faith in, in, that's working. A good example of it that you'll find in Scripture is in Acts chapter 27. It's the same story of when Paul uh, is on that voyage, and he's in that ship, and there's a, there's a big storm. Well, if you read the whole chapter, it's a long chapter, but if you read the whole chapter and the whole story, you find out that not only is there a storm, but they actually do shipwreck. And uh, they, they end up stranded on this island. And uh, everyone, I mean, I can't imagine being shipwrecked. I mean, imagine living in the first century. Let's just take, let's get, get in the way back machine for a second and like get into our time machine and go back for a minute, okay? And let's, let's just imagine for a moment living in the first century we don't have any of these modern devices. We don't have any way of communicating outside of who we're directly with. Uh, some of us remember those days, hallelujah, um, not too far uh, removed from those days. But in the first century, uh, there's, there's just a, it's just a different world. And they're on this ship, and they get shipwrecked in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. No one knows where they're at. No one knows where they're at. And they're on this island. And they have floated in and landed on shore on pieces of debris from the boat. And all of their supplies are lost. 
and they, have, they themselves really have no idea where they are in a real specific sense, and they start despairing, and everybody is losing hope. And an angel appears to Paul and assures Paul that God would deliver them. In Acts chapter 27, verse 25, Paul spoke confidently, and he said, Take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told to me. In an environment where everybody was losing hope, in an environment that was so dark and despairing and depressed, where there didn't look like there was any way out. Has anybody ever been in a situation like that in your life? Maybe you weren't on a des- on a marooned on a desert island, but you may as well have been because you felt alone, you felt isolated, you felt defeated, you felt despairing about things, you didn't know where your answer was going to come from, your faith was getting lower by the hour. Maybe it was a medical issue. Maybe it was a financial situation that was overwhelming you that came out of nowhere. Maybe it was relationship stuff. But whatever it was, whether it was your own doing or whether it was something that came out of nowhere and you really didn't have anything directly to do with it, it just happened. Whatever category you want to put it in, we've all been there where we needed the gift of faith in operation. And not only do we need to recognize the gift of faith when it's in operation, sometimes we need to be people of great faith for other people. Don't, don't, and again, I'll go back to where I started. Sometimes we see this word faith, gift of faith in operation, and we think, ah, that's, that's got to be the lowest one on the totem pole. That's got to be the one that's, you know, like, ah, that's the most generic one of all. But brothers and sisters, I said it last week, sometimes the operation of these gifts can be the difference between life and death. And so when you feel the Holy Ghost prompting you to speak a word of encouragement over somebody, you may not feel like you have this supernatural faith, but your faith is going to be greater than that person's faith. And God's going to use you and start pouring your faith into them. And it might take them out of that place of depression or despair or hopelessness. And it might help them to start see the light of day again. The gift of faith is so important. And we need to be sensitive to when the Holy Ghost is wanting to operate through you in the gift of faith. I'm reminded in the Gospels of that story where those four guys carried their friend. And they brought him and took him and, and, and started taking the tiles off of the roof. And they tore through the roof and lowered that guy into the presence of Jesus. It wasn't that guy that took the tiles off the roof of the house. And it wasn't even because of that guy's faith that Jesus healed him. It was because of the faith of those that were around him. You can look it up for yourself. Jesus says, their faith has made you whole. That's the gift of faith in operation. That's how powerful this can be. That's why it's listed as a power gift. And it's, it doesn't play second fiddle to any of the other supernatural gifts, no matter how inconspicuous it may be in operation or how easily hidden sometimes. Sometimes it will sometimes it'll look like this scripture right here, a simple statement like that. How many times have we read through the book of Acts and we've read that story and we've even read this very sentence that the Apostle Paul said when they're stranded on that desert island after a massive shipwreck 
How many times have we read this sentence and not recognized it as a supernatural gift of the Spirit in operation? Many times for me. A lot of times that's what will happen in life with us. It can be that simple. That sentence may have saved the lives of the entire crew. That sentence may have given that entire crew the will to keep living, to keep trying, to not just flop around on the beach and just be like, well, this is it. It's over. There's no hope. It's a power gift. There was no human reason to have hope in this situation in Acts 27, but God gave and deliverance in an impossible situation. Just put yourself in the first century. An impossible situation. They don't know if the natives are going to kill them. They don't know if there's any food on this island. They don't know if there's another wave of a storm that's going to take them out. They don't know if there's any fresh water on this island. They don't know any of those things. It feels like a completely impossible situation with no human reason for hope. But God operated through Paul and God can operate through you to speak to somebody's impossible situation and you can be the reason God working through you can be the reason that they come through that they make it through second power gift is the working of miracles I want to pause for a second are there any questions or input on gift of faith anything related to it I'm trying to be better about pausing for input and for questions See, I read Acts chapter 2, Brother Ryan, and it was a dialogue. They were talking back and forth. There's a lot of Simon Peter talking, but there's a lot of the people talking back too, done correctly. Are there any questions or comments? Gift of faith. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's 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 the right kind of stuff. That's that can be the gift of faith. Sometimes it's as simple as taking an experience that you've had and feeling just that that prompting supernaturally from God. I need to share that with somebody. It might not be something you share all the time. It might not be, you know, but the situation called for it. And you felt it was appropriate, and you felt it would be the loving thing to do, and it would be an encouragement, and it would lift their spirit and give them some hope and help them to see that there is an answer and, and that there can be a solution to this. And that's, that's the gift of faith in operation. And it can happen one-on-one. -on -one. It can happen from the front of the room. It can happen in a lot of different settings. Very good. Yes, Right. Absolutely.
Right. Right. It's true. I, I, I wanted to repeat it for the sake of the recording, but Brother Kurt, you just said that, you know, there's a, conne- there's a connection between this gift of faith that we're talking about tonight and uh, the shield of faith that's listed in Ephesians chapter 6 as part of the armor of God. It'd be a good study to do. Be a good study to do to start looking at those connection points of those things. Uh, there's a lot of connection points between the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and the armor of God. These are some of the, 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 the Apostle Paul lists these things in his letters under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and there's a lot of connection points between all of those, and uh, it's, it's really neat to study it out. Let's look at the of miracles. This, this, is, um, this is an event that is inexplicable and a miracle. It's inexplicable, inexplicable by the laws of nature, and so is considered to be an act of God. It transcends the laws of nature as we know them, and it is a direct intervention by God. Now, I'll, I'll say now, before, I'll get ahead of myself a little bit, and then I'll come back. Sometimes we can kind of conflate working of miracles and gifts of healing. Um, and, and the scripture seems to allow the working of miracles to kind of stand on its own and forces it, us to kind of just, because the next gift is the, work, is the gifts of healing. So it, it kind of brings me to the place where I believe it makes us consider the working of miracles kind of on its own merits. We kind of have to take a look at it almost not completely separated from gifts of healing, but how does it stand on its own as the miraculous being direct, something that transcends the laws of nature as we know them. So uh, in a general sense, all answers to prayer, spiritual gifts, divine healings are miraculous. Uh, These are things that happen supernaturally. They don't happen naturally. They transcend those laws of nature as we know them. Um, But this is listed kind of distinctly on its own. Uh, And so an example that I would go to uh, that I love, I love going to when we talk about working of miracles because it's easy to talk about working of miracles and to hear that word miracles and to immediately think about a physical healing. And that's appropriate because miracles do happen in the form of a physical healing. But there's other ways that the miraculous can manifest itself. And so I love going to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 has a story in it about uh, Philip. And Philip is ministering in Samaria. There's revival happening among the Samaritans. And simultaneously, as Philip is ministering in Samaria, <laughs> there's this Ethiopian eunuch who's in a chariot, far away, different location altogether, all by himself, and he's reading a scroll from Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. He's reading the scroll of Isaiah. And he's reading about it, and he's wondering what is this all about? And as he sits there reading that scroll, God miraculously, I don't know a word, I'm going to have to use a 21st century word, um, he teleports him. I don't know another word for it. It's just like he's in one, one second, Brother Mark, he's in Samaria, and the next second, he's out in a totally different location with this Ethiopian guy. Just in the blink of an eye, God does it. It's something that it transcends the laws of nature as we know them. It's not supposed to happen. And Philip shows up, 
and starts chasing this Ethiopian guy down on the chariot, gets in the chariot with him, says, do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian guy says, no, I don't understand what I'm reading. How can I know except somebody explain it to me? And so Philip, beginning with Isaiah and the prophets, explained to this Ethiopian guy everything to do with Jesus Christ and the gospel and how he needed to respond in faith and pattern his life after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He explained the whole thing to him to where eventually they get to the point where the Ethiopian guy says, well, I need to be baptized. There's water. What hinders us? Just as quickly as he showed up, he's gone again, and he's off to another place. Transcends the laws of nature. It is a miracle. For me, that fits into this category. It is a spiritual gift. It's something that God did through Philip for a supernatural, uh, to, to meet a need supernaturally, and it's a working of a miracle. I, I would pause and, and, have, and say something in the middle of all that, in the middle of Acts chapter 8 and that story I just summarized. It's amazing to me that, and encouraging to me, challenging to me, that Philip shows up and he's re- this Ethiopian gentleman is reading the scroll of Isaiah and Philip teaches him everything he needs to know about Jesus from Isaiah. They didn't have a New Testament. The New Testament was being lived out and written during this time period. They didn't have the four Gospels. They didn't have Paul's letters. They didn't have the book of Acts. They were living the book of Acts. They didn't have any of those points of reference. But Philip was able to teach the Ethiopian man everything he needed to know about Jesus and what he needed to do from Isaiah. That's pretty incredible to me. It's pretty amazing. I want to be in that place. We need to be so acquainted with the Word of God. We don't need to detach from the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the foundation. The Old Testament is powerful. We need to not... We, we, it's great if we can explain the gospel to somebody from the New Testament. But we must have that layer of the Old Testament as well. If we want to do it like the apostles did it, we see it in the book of Acts. We even see it in Luke 24 in the passage that I preached on Sunday morning. Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus, comes into contact with two guys. They're talking about everything that just happened. They said, don't you know? Everything that's just happened in Jerusalem these days, and it says, and Jesus, beginning at the prophets, explained to them everything about himself. So if Jesus did it, and if the apostles did it, it bears the reason we should be doing it. Now, I'm just going to be direct and honest and tell you, that is not a supernatural gift of the Spirit in operation. That is, Philip being able to explain Jesus from Isaiah is not a miracle. That's something that all of us should be able to do. And it should not be a miracle that we can do it. (laughs) The miracle is that God teleported him and put him in contact supernaturally with the right person at the right time at the right place. 
But once Philip was there, Philip ought to have been able to do what he did. And so it should be for us. Sometimes God will order our steps. He might not teleport you. Maybe he will. I don't know. But he'll order your steps and put you in contact supernaturally with somebody. The right person, the right place, the right time. We have to be ready. We have to be ready in that moment to do what, we are, what is required of us. What we've been brought to that moment to do. What a tragedy it would have been if Philip would have been so unacquainted with the prophet Isaiah that he would have, that the guy would have said, he would have said, do you understand what you're reading? The guy would have been like, nah. He's like, I don't understand what I'm reading. Philip would be like, me neither. Me neither, man. Tough luck. Bummer. Guess we're both just out of luck. Tragedy. Tragedy. It's challenging, isn't it? It ought to challenge us to get into the Word of God. Deeply into the Word of God. Brother Anderson. Wow. The Lord completed that work. Yeah. 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 That's powerful. If my dad were here tonight... I feel like he would tell a story about, and he's told this story to the church before, uh, when, he was, uh, when he was working at the Chrysler plant, he was, searching, he was searching for truth, he was searching for God, and um, he really didn't know who he could trust and, and what voice he needed to be listening to, and there was a man that was laid off uh, from the factory, and uh, he was back down here closer to home. And wasn't even sure if he was ever going to go back and work at that factory again. And the Lord spoke to this gentleman and said, you're going to go back. <laughs> and there's a man that you're going to meet there. And you're going to basically get connected with him and, and teach him. And so this gentleman, his name was Roger. Uh, he uh, was obedient enough to the voice of God to do what he didn't really intend to do, which was go back up. Uh, to Fenton, to that factory, he, he listened to the voice of God, he went back up to the factory, and uh, he was there for a while, but then eventually, uh, the Lord put them in contact, put my dad and, and this gentleman in contact, and uh, Roger taught him a Bible study, and uh, it, it was something like, it, it was not, they didn't know each other really, 
It was not something that they, you know, they put together on their own. It was one man hearing from God about something that needed to be done in order to reach a soul. And we, in part, trace our family history in the church back to that gentleman hearing from God, being obedient to God, supernaturally getting connected, getting back into that. He wouldn't have been there had he not listened to God. And so there was, there was something supernatural that happened there. And you might say, you know what, that doesn't, that doesn't seem super miraculous. It is miraculous. It's supernatural. That's, that's something that happened in the spirit. Let me give you a couple examples. In the New Testament, in the, in the book of Acts, whenever there's demons cast out, that's something we can't do in our natural faculties. That's something supernatural. It's a miracle. We ought to expect it, but it is a miracle. It's supernatural. Um, in Acts chapter 12, uh, an angel miraculously delivered Simon Peter from prison. Prison doors just don't swing open. Chains just don't fall off. That was a miracle. And sometimes we can read a story like that and be like, ah, you know, Bible stories. Aren't they great? Bible stories. That's the gifts of the Spirit, and that's a working of miracles. That's something that transcends the laws of nature that's happening. Uh, there's a story that Brother Bernard tells. Um, he, was, he, he, he was writing books, and he'd written a book that maybe you've read called The Oneness of God, and it had been translated into uh, Bulgarian. While well, he was in Bulgaria at one point with the missionary in 1988, and uh, he was in Bulgaria, and they were crossing the border. Now, this was before the Soviet Union fell. So, uh, different world and different set of expectations and policies and different tolerances for these kinds of things. Well, they're, they're crossing over the border into Bulgaria, which was a, a Soviet bloc na nation, and that kind of stuff wasn't tolerated. Well, they're at the border crossing, and uh, they got stopped by the border guards. They were going to check all their stuff. And for whatever reason, reasons unknown, they had a, a Bulgarian language copy of the oneness of God setting on the back dash, in the back by the back window of the car, in open view. And they're just sitting there thinking, this is it. We're going to end up in a foreign prison, you know, over a book. They're going to find it. We're going to be in trouble. We're not going to have an excuse. And we're going to be in big trouble. And uh, he, he tells the story, uh, and he says that they, they looked over every inch of that vehicle, and they never saw the book. These border guards never saw. He said, he, in fact, he says, they questioned us. They, they, they almost detained us. They were questioning us heavily about a copy of a National Geographic magazine that seemed suspicious to them. But they did not see the Christian book on the back dash in their own language. I don't know how else to explain that except to say it's a miracle. It transcends the laws of nature. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. Um, now, uh, before we move on, I'll say this. We should expect the miraculous. We should. We should expect the miraculous. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. These gifts of the Spirit, we should expect for them to be oper in operation in the apostolic church today, we should expect the miraculous. However, if I would put a footnote on this, however, 
once Philip was teleported from one location to the other and then from one location to another place, the church did not start to rely on teleportation as their primary means of travel. Okay? So, it's kind of funny to think that, but sometimes we can, we can take the miraculous and we can, you know I mean, I think Brother Bernard would agree they should have put the book somewhere else other than on the dashboard. I guarantee you they didn't start doing border crossings with a case of those books strapped to the top of the car. It just doesn't, that just doesn't make sense. You still have to use sense. It still requires human effort. It still requires us using our brains. It still takes some strategy. So, I mean, think about it. A, a, a tremendous evangelistic moment where there were that Ethiopian gentleman, okay? A God moment. God ordained it. Evangelism in action. But that doesn't mean that they huddled together in a room after that and waited for somebody to get beamed up, taken to the next person that needs a Bible study. Right? They still went from city to city. They still went to the next town. They still established works in every community. They still tried to seek after those that were hungry for God and make relationships with people and make disciples in the normal, ordinary way that it usually takes place. They couldn't just huddle together and wait for someone to get beamed up and teleported to somebody that was hungry for God's word. They didn't come to rely on the miraculous as a crutch, but they did expect the miraculous. And they did try to create an atmosphere where the miraculous could take place and have a role in the ministry of the church. Any questions or feedback before we move on? Working of miracles. Working of miracles. There's an old proverb. It's not a Bible proverb, but it's an old proverb. It says, trust God, but row away from the rocks. So it is with miracles. We can trust God for the miraculous. We can trust God to miraculously heal our physical bodies, but we can still treat our bodies right. Okay? Trust God, but row away from the rocks. pausing for a minute. I'm not scared by awkward silence. Y'all are the ones being quiet, not me. Just want to give everyone a moment. Okay, let's talk about gifts of healing. Gifts of healing for a moment. Gifts of healing. This is this will be where we this will be where we land for tonight. Gifts of healing. This can refer to physical, mental. Emotional, spiritual restoration. It's receiving a miraculous physical healing or some other mental, emotional, spiritual healing, whether instantaneous or gradual. Now, there's a distinction to be made for gifts of healing. Notice that it says gifts of healing and not just healing. There's not, a gift of, there's, there's not a gift of healing. You can look at the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's gifts. It's plural. Which indicates to us, and our understanding of it ought to be, that 
gifts of healing are dispensed to the church. It's not one person that operates in a gift of healing, in the gift of healing. It's plural. You can, there's, on YouTube, there's some teaching about this um, that probably does it far better than me. It's Brother Billy Cole. Uh, it's some old teachings of his, and he does a fantastic job explaining uh, this particular topic. But there's gifts, the gifts of healing. So um, let me give you some New Testament examples. The lame man at the temple was healed. Uh, Saul of Tarsus, who would become Paul, uh, was healed of blindness after a few days. Um, some healings are instantaneous. Some healings are gradual. And someone, uh, somebody that, has, uh, that will operate in faith will have a gift of healing. Sometimes we'll pray over somebody and somebody will receive. I might pray for Brother Burke, who maybe have a headache, and I can pray for him, and he's going to receive a gift of healing but it's coming from God. I might have to operate in faith to pray with him, but he's the one that's going to receive a gift of healing, and it's a supernatural spiritual gift. Somebody uh, might pray for somebody, and, and it happens in a miraculous way like that, and the church is supposed to have faith for healing and to pray for healing. So James chapter 5 tells us that we ought to pray for the sick. It's something we do, amen? Something we're going to do here in just a few minutes before we dismiss tonight. We're going to see, we're going to see uh, this gift in operation. We're going to, uh, anybody that has some, any kind of infirmity or, or ailment, we're going to pray together, amen? It's something we do, and you might wonder, why do we do that? Why, why do we often not let a service go by without doing that? And it's for two reasons. The book of James tells us to do it, and we believe it's a supernatural gift of the Spirit that needs to be in operation for the church today. God still gives gifts of healing, amen? Amen. Sister Kelly, if you would come to the keyboard. We're going to pray over anybody that needs healing in their body or in their mind or in any category. We're going to pray. I, mean, I still, we, we've been teaching about it, but now we need to demonstrate it, amen? We need to demonstrate it. And so, it's, and, and here's the thing. James says for the elders of the church to pray for the sick, and, 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 and that's appropriate. There's also times when just people of faith when the gift of faith can be in operation, and without being an elder in the church or a leader in the church, that is, you can pray and lay hands on somebody, heal them. And when a person is miraculously healed, whether it's instantaneous or whether it's gradual, uh, and whether it's in their, bi their body, their mind, uh, their spirit, it's something, when this happens, it's something that's beyond the power of medicine. That's what makes it a supernatural gift. It's something that happens beyond the prescriptions, beyond the power of medicine, beyond the treatment plan. But it's when God steps in, it's a category of miracle. It's something that transcends the way that it should be if it operated by the laws of nature. But it's when God directly intervenes in a situation. Now, I'll... I'll a lot of times there's the question of oh, why, why, does, why does healing happen sometimes but not always? Or why sometimes is it instantaneous? And why sometimes is it gradual? And why sometimes does the healing not happen at all? And it's a question that we, it's so big we don't have time for it right now. But it's in the hands of the Lord. It's in the hands of the Lord. 
we've heard Brother Herod when he, Brother Nathan Herod, when he comes and ministers here, we've heard him say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna act in faith. It's not my reputation that's on the line. It's God that's going to do the work. It's in the hands of God. And there's times when God chooses to give a gift of healing, and there's times when God chooses not to. But that shouldn't change the fact that we're going to pray. We're going to petition the Lord. We're going to ask God for healing. It's miraculous. Like I said about the working of miracles a moment ago, we can expect the miraculous, but we don't have to come to rely upon it as our normal way of operating. We can expect the miraculous for healing in our body, but we can have the attitude. The, the, the book of Daniel tells that story of those three Hebrew fellas that they wouldn't bow down to that golden image. They were fixed to get tossed into that fiery furnace. You know what they said to the king? They said, you know, we're not going to bow. The Lord may save us, but if not, they said, perhaps God will save us. Perhaps. And in a world where it's very popular to name it and claim it, there's an Old Testament faith, there's a biblical faith that's calling for our attention where we can expect the miraculous and we can believe for it and we can pursue it and we can, we can make room for it in our church and in our city. But we can also trust God. We can also trust God. Let's all stand in this place right now. I feel such a sweet presence of the Lord. It's been here since we were singing together and worshiping. We had our hands lifted up. Let's just take that posture again right now. Let's just come full circle and just worship the Lord for a moment. We're going to have a time of prayer here in a minute. And there's just going to be a demonstration, a manifestation of, of the, the power of God. And we'll see what the Holy Ghost would desire to do. But can we just take on a posture of worship right now and just be sensitive to the Holy Ghost? Lord, you're in this place, and anytime your word goes forth, Lord, your spirit accompanies it. Your spirit's been moving here tonight, giving revelation, encouraging, challenging us, Lord. healing in your body, in your mind, in any area of your life, I want you to come to the front now. I want you to step out of way. Maybe it's something you haven't pray, had it prayed over in a long time and you've just been dealing with it. Maybe it's something you've just been dealing with, but the Holy Ghost is just prompting you right now and saying, you know what, you don't have to deal with it any longer. It might be something you've just learned to live with. You've just learned to live with it. But the Holy Ghost might see fit in the perfect will of God tonight to deliver you from it and to give out a gift of healing for there to be a miracle that starts to take place. Come on, there's some that are coming right now. I know there's many because there's many things that afflict us. There's many things that happen in our life that, that happen in our bodies, that happen in our minds and our emotions. Whatever it may be.